Harold, you have been a blessing to me personally over the years. And to the ministry of Community Baptist Church, you have had such an investment into our lives. I think of uh, uh, the times you've been here and preached, and uh, what a blessing. The prayer advances are the things that really um, impacted me. I can remember back, remember back at Eagle Irie down in Lynchburg. That's where I first became aware of the prayer advances. And uh, my, I remember the experiences there. Then the years at Rockbridge Alum. Uh, springs there in uh, Goshen, and my goodness, uh, the years we were there, and then uh, more recent years at the uh, Shenandoah Baptist Church in Roanoke, uh, and other places in between, uh, the prayer advances have been rich to us, and uh, thank you so much for the investment that you've made uh, into my life and into the church family in, in these various avenues. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, Pastor Mike. Um... If I, I'm, I'm thrilled to hear this. This is tremendous. Uh, but if nobody else came to the prayer advance, I would come. Because uh, <laughs> nobody gets more out of it than me. Nobody loves it more than me. Uh, there's nothing about the prayer advance that I don't like. I like everything. I just Amen. like the whole ball of wax. And the yeah. emphasis, as you know, has always uh, been the same. We're there to encounter God. Uh, we're, there to, we're there to get right with God, right with one another, to meet the Lord, to be filled with the Spirit, uh, to pray, and to get fired up in our souls. So, so that's the mission of the prayer advance, uh, to go forward instead of backing up. And boy, are we living in a time when the church of God needs to get out of reverse and neutral and get into high gear. So uh, we're all about advancing. Amen. And I'm thrilled that this has been a blessing to you. You have been a blessing to the prayer advance. I remember those years when you spoke in particularly on the pursuit of God. Man, that was powerful. And those other corresponding kind of messages <coughs> really, really ministered to our hearts. So thank you as well. Well, it's been such a blessing to be related to you and what you're doing. You know, the, the, a couple of years ago, I guess, or, or maybe even more recent than that, uh, you produced those, uh, you wrote the book, The Biblical Protocols for Prayer, and then you produced a series of uh, video uh, segments. We played all of those in, uh, in our Wednesday night prayer meetings to kind of kick off our prayer time. And, and now you've, all, you've got them coming out in the broadcast quality. We're going to uh, go back and revisit all of those uh, in the future. Uh, that was a phenomenal series, or is a phenomenal series, and uh, boy, what a blessing that has been to us as well. Yes, um, that's uh, so down to earth, so street level, so yes. practical, so doable, that, um, you know, people are intimidated by the idea of praying, and they're intimidated of, uh, often about praying in a group, but th this should not be the case at all. Uh, no. The early church was... Uh, to be a house of prayer, according to the founder of the church, the Lord Jesus, my father's house shall be called the house of prayer. Amen. So what we wanted to do and what we have striven to do is to make prayer uh, practical, practical, uh, doable, and to help transform congregations into houses of prayer. Lots of churches pray. They have zipper prayers, you know. They open and close with prayer. Uh, some have a day of prayer or a prayer service, uh, but Jesus' desire was beyond all of that. And that was to have, uh, have his Father's house to be a house of prayer, characterized by prayer, to where everything uh, that corresponds uh, has to do with communication with God. 
And if we're not that, then, you know, what are we all about? You know, public really? relations, theaters, uh, uh, concert halls, uh, celebrity platforms. I mean, what are we here for? Psychology? No, we're here for the glory of God. And that's Amen. why we uh, try to keep this emphasis of prayer. And I sure appreciate what you're doing in your congregation, along with so many other pastors who have a heart, uh, a heart to move their churches and, and, and develop houses of prayer. Amen. You know, you, you're a family man. You, you, you love your kids. You love your kids' spouses. You love your grandkids. I can't imagine uh, having a wonderful family like that and never talking to them. <laughs> What's that all about? Christians that don't pray? Grandfathers and dads who never talk to their kids or grandkids? Doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't. And uh, uh, this, you know, prayer is just uh, verbal communication from man to God. That's what Amen. prayer is at the simplest level. It's verbal. It's not thinking. It's everybody in the Bible that prayed, as far as I can tell, prayed out loud. So, oh. so yeah, I, I mean, you know, to have a prayer life just means you're on speaking terms with Jesus. Amen. And if you're not on speaking terms with the Son of God, then you're not on praying ground, but it's the will of God that we always be on speaking terms with Him, uh, just like uh, we're to be on speaking terms with those who are closest to us. So uh, everything I can find in the scripture with all of the emphasis that's laid on prayer, uh, I think uh, the church of God needs to take a long, hard look. Uh, you know, you've got cerebral congregations where it's uh, seminary lectures and, you know, long words and all of this kind of stuff. Then you got other places that are pretty much emotion, you know, just emotion-based. Uh, yeah. Well, no, the the word of God, it, it's 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 heat and light. It, it's truth and grace. It's uh, yes. it captures the heart as well as challenges the mind and fills the spirit. So, I think to have a vital prayer life personally uh, is the prelude to having a corporate uh, vital prayer life as a congregation. Amen, amen. You know, the last men's prayer advance with all the COVID that went on and all. Uh, we we came, uh, jumped in uh, through the uh, internet. Uh, we had a group of men that met for all of the sessions and enjoyed that. And when we were um, doing that, you introduced a book that I had never heard of, uh, a book entitled uh, "Old Paths, New Power: Awakening Your Church Through Prayer and the Ministry of the Word of God." And uh, and I, I I heard you present the book. Uh, I heard some talk about the book and the impact that it's had in some of the churches of some of the pastors who were at the prayer advance, I immediately uh, wrote a note to myself, and after the prayer advance was over, I ordered about 15 copies of the book. They've been sitting on, in, on the floor in my office, and, and I, I just didn't have the right time, the time that I felt that it was, was the right time for our church leaders. I, I bought a copy for every ministry leader, every deacon, pastor, ministry leader, uh, in the church, and and there it sat. And um, a couple of weeks ago, uh, I, I gave it to two men, and, and I hadn't even read it myself yet. I'd thumbed through it and read little portions of it. But uh, uh, this week I picked it up and I began to read. And I've read about half the book now. I began to read the book, and wow, what a dynamic, powerful book. Daniel Henderson, Awakening Church through prayer and the ministry of the Word of God. And uh, another thank you 
you know, some of the books and materials that I have purchased over the years through the prayer advances have been so uh, so important to us. And and my take, and I haven't read the whole book yet, uh, but uh, when I realized we were going to be on video uh, today because of COVID in the area, uh, I thought, I, I want Harold Vaughn uh, to come on on Sunday night, and, and I want to talk to him just a little bit about this book uh, uh, because, you know, it, it's so um impacted me this week as I have begun to read it. And, and I would just just kind of summarizing what I've read thus far in the book is it seems that, that this book is presenting a premise that there's a conflict between the church growth philosophy of today's gurus of church growth who've convinced a generation uh, that church success is tied to becoming like the world so the world will be comfortable in church and uh, adopt the nightclub, the, the entertainment industry, adopt the world's way of doing things, and then the world will come to church and we can kind of slip the gospel in. And this seems to present a concept that success is not about becoming like the world, but the key to success in ministering and church work today has something more to do with prayer. Yeah, I think it was C.S. Lewis that said the people who have done most for um, um, in time have been those who were least concerned about time and most preoccupied with the eternal. And I think that's exactly true. Uh, you know, where, where do we get off that uh, we're going to run a public relations campaign uh, in the house of God and use uh, worldly methods and personalities and, you know, all of the um, bait-and-switch approach, you know, the psychology and so on and so forth, uh, kind of pique an interest and then slip the gospel in on the side to where they don't even know what they heard after they heard it. I, I just don't understand this. No, uh, the early church was so, so otherworldly. I mean, you know, brother, they, they had... Uh, Every culture, have, I mean, you know, Greeks, Scythians, barbarians, Jews, Gentiles, every stripe, every language, every people group. It was, it was not a homogenous group. Uh, it was, it, it was a phenomenon because the, the Spirit of God, the Word of God, and the Spirit of God transcends cultures and races of people. And I believe that when the Spirit of God is, uh, uh, ungrieved, unquenched, unresisted, I believe there's a tremendous power to draw people uh, to God himself, and not just to draw them to ourselves, and so on and so forth, but and there's a relational aspect, because they were of one heart and one soul in the book of Acts. Of course, that was going on, but it was, uh, it was not humanly explainable. And I think the inexplicability of the early church was the power of the Holy Ghost. I mean, I mean yes. let's face it, I, I mean, they... they what did they have? A bunch of fishermen, unlearned, <laughs> ignorant yep. men, according to uh, the uh, eyewitness reports, and they were amazed they had been with Jesus, and they had they had a touch on them. You know, let's be candid here. They had a touch on them. There was an yes. atmosphere of uh, God's presence in the early church that was indescribable. And you know, you know, I just really believe that whenever God shows up and shows off. Uh, he draws people to himself when he's lifted up. Uh, he, he draws people to himself. And again, it's this, uh, this is not uh, something you learn in a seminar. Uh, 
I, I, I one a friend of mine one time went to a church girls seminar, and uh, the guy got up and said, "If uh, if you'll do these things, your church will grow." So one of the attendees went up to the speaker and said, "Well, I believe that if I did what you said to do and implemented these uh, tactics, my church would grow." And, 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 and if I would pray and implement these tactics, my church would grow. And then the leader of the seminar said, I, your church will grow whether you pray or not. Yeah. So in other words, they had these methods that were tried and true and supposedly universal uh, to guarantee results. And, of course, the results a lot of people are looking for are warm bodies on yeah. Sunday morning. And the more warm bodies you have show up, uh, well, the more successful you are. Well, how about some hot hearts in those um, <laughs> warm bodies? You know? That'll work. And, <laughs> yep. I just think, you know, that um, we're, at a, we're at a time and a place where we need to reevaluate all this stuff. And is this really about God or about us and our culture and, you know, all of this kind of thing? So, yeah, we need to back up and uh, reconsider and contemplate. And, you, you know, everybody everybody wants to celebrate the Ref, Protestant Reformation. Well, I don't understand, to be candid with you, I don't understand this. Uh, instead of uh, identifying with an imperfect and an impossible attempt to uh, reform an apostate church, why don't we go for initial formation and back up to the book of Acts and find out what they were doing and, and get in on the uh, things that... Uh, that caused the initial formation of the most powerful body on the face of the earth, you know? So I think I think we, we need to back up to the book of Acts, discover yes. what was going on there, and, uh, and, and as we get there, we're going to find out the apostles were all about uh, prayer and the ministry of the Word. So they're all yeah. about you know, calling their congregations and organizing their congregations in prayer. I, I, I personally believe in Acts 6-4, uh, it's not talking about the apostles hitting the prayer closet or going up into the mountain for their personal prayer life. I believe it's talking about uh, this this idea of uh, mobilizing the body of Christ, the church of God, uh, in prayer and the ministry of the word. So they were the two key elements in the early church. You know, the, the, um, the book that uh, I'm reading that you had uh, recommended uh, to all of the men, uh, the gentleman that wrote that, Daniel Henderson, has a ministry that is uh, called uh, 6-4. And it's based on Acts 6-4, which is what you just referred to. Acts 6-4, the, the leaders at the church said, we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. And uh, what a dynamic duo that is. And prayer's first, and preaching is second. And when you get prayer and the preaching together as a dynamic duo, uh, that's what this book was written about. And uh, but that's what this book was written about. And so that's a pretty powerful, uh, a pretty powerful duo. Now, the early book, the early part of the book of Acts records a profound revival. Where do you see the ministry of prayer and the Word of God? Did that have anything? to do with the fact that an, a revival broke out? Well, yeah. <clears throat> like, um, <clears throat> after the crucifixion, you know, all of the disciples had forsaken the Lord and denied the Lord. Peter wasn't the only one. They were all hiding over in the corner, warming at the enemy's fire, 
uh, nobody stepping forward other than a, his mother and a couple of women, perhaps, at the foot of the cross, as best I can tell. So, so they gathered in the upper room for ten days, and Jesus told them to linger. Uh, he just told them to stay put and wait uh, until they were endued with power. So it's my personal belief that in the upper room, uh, that was like uh, the biggest revival ever, where 120 failed disciples uh, took the witness stand against their own hearts. I believe that they, they, they confessed their sins together. I believe they wept together. I believe they worshiped together. I believe they confided in one another in an incredible way. Uh, horizontally as well as vertically, all at the same time. So much so that they were of one heart and one soul. So their hearts were so knit together, so knit together uh, in that upper room, uh, intense presence of God, revival atmosphere, that they came out there on fire. And, of course, uh, old Peter got up at Pentecost and preached. What did he preach? He preached the historical facts of uh of God in the gospel, and 3,000 people got born again in one fell swoop. So the prayer, prayer and ministry of the word had everything to do with the book of Acts. That's what they were all about. There's no way to explain the early church sociologically or psychologically or methodologically. It's, there's no way to define it in these terms. The only way to comprehend what God did, I think, in the book of Acts was prayer and the Holy Spirit. And it, it, it's not that complicated, I don't think, but, um, <laughs> you know, there was just, there was a fire that was going on uh, in the hearts of people and in the hearts of the apostles that uh, that just spoke into that culture in, in that day. Yes. And, you know, such an incredible, well, let's, let's face it, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ and atonement of sin makes no sense to the to the natural mind. However, no. when preached no. in the power of the Holy Spirit, some will believe, right? And yes. uh, and some some always will believe, have believed, and will believe. And I think that uh, uh, what was going on then is pretty much what we need to major on uh, in these days. I know there's all kinds of components into running a church, and I, I'm good with all this. I understand all of that. But uh, it, it, it's prayer in the ministry of the Word. I went to school with Dan Henderson. Um, did you really? Was, I didn't um, know that. Yeah, yeah. He was a pastoral major and went out and took a couple. Of, well, he started a church in Washington State, and then he mm-hmm. took a couple of large churches where the pastors had moral failures and, and kind of did a recovery ministry in those places and led those congregations uh, into a uh, prayer culture. And that's what we're talking about here is uh, yeah. a prayer culture. You know, if a church didn't didn't inform uh, with uh, a prayer culture, then it's a real challenge to implement it on the fly. And uh, But I believe that spirit-filled people are all about it. And what we find in our meetings is that when we um, talk about we don't only talk about prayer, we never talk about prayer without implementing prayer. Yes. That's our policy. Yes. We never talk about prayer without implementing what we talked about. And I find that God-hungry people are starving to death uh, for some real life, life-giving prayer meetings. You know, not life-draining, but life-giving prayer meetings. And, you know, it's just real people getting real honest in the presence of a real God, and uh, things happen. So prayer and ministry of the Word is where it's at. Amen.
Amen. Let me read a statement here from this book that uh, grabbed my attention, get you to comment on it. Um, Daniel Henderson was quoting Martin Lloyd-Jones, the great preacher from the British Isles back a generation ago. And uh, I'm going to kind of jump into the middle of his quote. He had talked about, in the beginning of the quote, he had talked about organizing a campaign and, and working and, and writing and, and doing everything we can do. But then he, he said this, and so we must throw ourselves. He, he, he had mentioned those other things as being doing all that we can do, but it's not sufficient. It's not effective. He, con- he concluded by saying this, and so we must throw ourselves upon the mercy of God. It is not so much an organized prayer emphasis as it is an act of desperation. And then, and only then, does the power of the Holy Spirit come flooding upon us and into us. And he does in a moment what an incremental organization can hardly accomplish in half a century. Were the disciples that you described, the 120 in the upper room, were they desperate? And did that <laughs> well, desperation yeah. have anything to do with the intensity of the prayer meeting they had? Well, yeah. They had done their absolute best and utterly failed. They misunderstood Christ's purpose. They misunderstood the kingdom of God. They were all about political solutions. They were all about restoring the kingdom to Israel, getting rid of the Romans who had... Uh, had the uh, oversight of them and the authority over them. So they misunderstood uh, the whole context. They misunderstood Christ's mission. And uh, and here they were at the end of the day. Uh, you know, Peter was cursing and denying the Lord, and the others were denying and forsaking as well. Absolutely, absolutely desperate. They were helpless. By the way, we're printing a book by Ole Halsby, O-L-E, Halsby, the Norwegian theologian. He's got a book called Prayer. And, 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 and Halsby says that uh, the central qualification for prayer is helplessness. Helplessness. And I would say that the disciples were utterly helpless, utterly desperate. Uh, Leonard Ravenhill, I think it was, had said that God doesn't answer prayer. He answers desperate prayer. And I think desperate prayer is the type of prayer that has to have an answer. You know, Martin Lloyd-Jones, he said lots of good things. He said the prayer for revival is ultimately a prayer based upon a concern for a manifestation of the glory of God. Amen. That's that's what it is. We're longing for a manifestation of God to come among his people, which is inexplicable. I know this is too mystical for some people, uh, but... um, that doesn't make any difference. Uh, you yep. can't explain what happened in the New Testament other than that God himself showed up and, and, and took, the, took, the, took the stage. Like uh, one guy said that uh, revival is when God gets so tired of being misrepresented that he just takes the field and clarifies the record. You know, he, he clears up the discrepancies of what's going on. So that's where we're at now. I think that... Um, Man, there ought to be some hard hunger and hard fire. Um, but, you know, the thing that amazes me, Pastor, is that um, when COVID hit, oh, what, 18 months ago or whatever it was, um, you know, I'm, I'm thinking, hey, this is it. 
This is going to be the uh, catalyst for an outpouring because churches and people are going to humble. We're going to humble ourselves. We're going to take stock. We're going to evaluate. We're going to repent. We're going to put things right with God and put things right with man. And, you know, this is going to be the, the beginning of the third great awakening. You know, that's what I thought. But uh, that didn't happen. And the reason it didn't happen, I don't think, was because of what you're speaking about here. Uh, a lack of uh, heart hunger. A lack of uh, yeah, we're not desperate uh, desperation. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah, that, I mean, how can you be desperate, you know, when, you know, your salary is good and uh, your accommodations are good. And your comfort level is good. You know, it's um, we're not communist yet. And uh, yeah. so there's this lack of... Uh, Desperation, uh, this, this, uh, what is it, um, prosperity has, uh, has lulled us into a place of, uh, complacency, I'm afraid. You know, the, um, the kind of prayer that you've been talking about, uh, is very different than a list of health needs that become a prayer list of praying for this health need and this health need. And those health needs are, are important. People are hurting. But that's not what you're talking about. No. You're talking no, about a... How did prayer get from uh, the kind of passion and, and desperation for God in our lives turn into a list of prayer requests for a surgery or for whatever? Yeah, well, the problem with the prayer meetings in the average church is they're problem-centered instead of God-centered, and that's that's the trouble. Uh, you know, you know, if if prayer is really about God's glory and God's name, and if the proper motive in prayer is always the glory of God, then uh, then that will be evident in the kind of prayers that are prayed. This zeal for God's name, God's reputation, God's glory, uh, God's truth. Uh, God's honor, God's sake, and all of this kind of thing. But uh, I think what happened is um, we, we became focused on what's important to us. And Jesus said, where your treasure is, your heart is also. Yes. So I go into churches all the time. I've seen thousands of prayer bulletins. Uh, pretty much of them are all horizontal issues. Uh, and, and again, I'm, you know this. I'm for praying for sick people, man. I, I, I believe in this. But that's yeah. not the first thing we ought to be doing. Uh, uh, the model prayer is very, very clear uh, that we're to approach God as our Father, and then we're to pray, Hallowed, Holy, Reverend, be thy name. We're praying for the sanctifying of the name of God first. Second, we're praying for the kingdom of God to come. We're praying for God's uh, kingdom, his authority, his jurisdiction, his governance, his lordship uh, to be ex extended and expanded in the earth, in our own hearts, in our own homes, in our own congregations, in our own communities. So the first new emphasis of prayer is for God's name, God's kingdom. The third is God's will, for God's mm -hmm. will to be accomplished upon the earth. And, and I just want to say this. If the will of God was automatic, he would never have instructed us to pray for it to be implemented upon the earth. So the first three uh, focuses of prayer, the first three requests in the model prayer, are for God, God's name, God's kingdom, God's will. And then after we've executed those uh, requests, we get around to our stuff, right? Yes. Like daily bread, 
and that's where we pray for needs and sick yes. people. And, 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 boy, I'm for praying for sick people. You know that. I, I mean, yeah. I believe in this, but that's not the first thing. And, and then forgiveness of sins and, for, and you know, granting forgiveness to our offenders and then uh, for deliverance mm-hmm. from evil. So the yeah. second three yeah. requests are for yeah. us. The first three requests are for God, God's name, God's kingdom, and God's will. Think about in Acts 16, where Paul and Silas were in prison for casting out this demon out of this fortune-telling woman. Yes. And, uh, boy, they got in trouble because the owners lost their source of livelihood when the demon was gone. So they beat them up, pulled them in front of the court, uh, threw them in prison, put them in the inner part of the prison. They're in stocks and bonds. And at the midnight hour, what are these guys doing? (laughs) <laughs> uh, that well, they 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 did not call the Hebrew Law Association to try to get them out. Uh, they didn't uh, contact the anti-Semitic League, you know, because yeah. of racial prejudice. <laughs> they didn't yeah. call the prayer chain. Uh, there wasn't any prayer chain. So what are they doing? They're they're praying and singing praises to God. So the only one that can a, fix it. Well, a, a worship-based prayer meeting, a God-focused prayer meeting. And, and, and we got to start out with worship. we got to start out with praise. I, I just believe this. Come into his gates with thanksgiving. Get into his courts with uh, praise. Amen. Uh, come into his presence with singing. So we, we, we come in uh, recognizing who God is and, 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 and appealing to God uh, for his own name, his own kingdom, his own will. And then we get around to praying for the stuff that's burdening our hearts. And that's legitimate and absolutely perfect. So I often say to pastors, I say, hey, pastor, here's an exercise. Hey, why don't you do a prayer bulletin, one prayer service, with no human request? Have no human request. Only have requests for God's name, God's kingdom, and God's will. Boy, that'd get people's attention, wouldn't it? Yeah. You know, the fact of the matter is we've been conditioned, Pastor Mike, in my opinion, uh, in a climate of unbelief to where there's so little expectation for anything supernatural or extraordinary uh, that we come in and do our, uh, you know, we rub our rosary beads, uh, prayer beads, kind of just saying the same stuff, making the same request with really no expectation, no anticipation of anything happening. And I just want to say that uh, the reason the prayer meetings that died is because uh, they sucked the life out of people. Because if a prayer meeting is only problem-centered instead of being God-centered, then who wants to get into a rehearsal, a litany of 30 minutes worth of problems, and then a 50 seconds prayer for blanket blessing with no anticipation, and you do this week after week after week after week, no wonder nobody comes. I'm not going to come either. I mean, who wants to get into a dead prayer meeting for crying out loud? But to get into a situation where we're going to bat uh, for God's name, God's kingdom, God's will, the implementation of his will upon the earth, and brother, there's some challenge here, there's some anticipation here, there's some expectation, there's some blessing. Amen? So, I think that's uh, that's, uh, we've got to get away from this problem orientation to a God-focused and there's nothing more exciting than the name of God, the person of God, <laughs> the attributes of God. You want to breathe excitement, just start talking about God and thinking about who He is in our lives. And uh, if we ever get through praying all about God, we, we'll have a hard time getting enough time to pray for the other things uh, if we really get uh, caught up in the person of our God and His amazing, amazing name. You know... Something else that this that I picked up out of this book 
was from Uganda, a Ugandan church leader, and he was delivering a message to America. This is one short uh, statement, actually uh, two statements, his message to America. Here it is. My message to America is desperation or devastation. The choice is yours. Are we going to get desperate for God? Or are we going to accept the devastation of America? Because America won't escape devastation without a desperate people for the name of our God. That kind of, to me, kind of sums up what this book is all about. Old paths, just prayer and the Word of God, but new power through those old paths. Wow. Hey, take a minute, and uh, could you, you've been, at, you're in a lot of churches, and, and with your prayer advances, you have, you have met some pastors and some churches that are, are really, um, have, have raised the standard of prayer. Um, you know, I, I love, I, when I read Third John, I, I see missionaries going from one church to another, and then they say, you should have been at the church I was at last time. Wow, were they great. And I think of the power of testimony of what God has done in other places. Share with us a story or two about some churches today, right here in America, that you know about, who have raised the bar on prayer, and their testimony of that is an encouragement to other churches. Well, I just had lunch today with... Um five pastors here in the Roanoke Valley. Uh, all of them are on this uh, prayer prayer, prayer training, so to speak, uh, really implementing prayer into their congregations. I had a prayer summit in one or, one or two of them. And uh, any, anyhow, um, uh, this one pastor who has really gone, uh, followed hard after the 6-4 fellowship and uh, this book, he just handed out that book you have. Uh, Old Paths, New Power, just handed that out to two of the pastors that were at this luncheon we had. And we're going to get together in October and have a day of prayer. So it's going to be more kingdom-minded rather than um, just uh, us four and no more. So so there's something cooking here uh, in the hearts of these pastors. But let me just give you one. Uh, We were in, um, years ago, uh, in Champaign, Illinois. We showed up for a meeting on Saturday night. Um, the, the pastor said, Harold, would you lead us in a, a, a real revival prayer meeting? And I said, well, yeah. I said, nobody needs it more than me. So we gathered together, I don't know, 12 men, 15 men. And uh, we did the uh, real revival prayer meeting or the spiritual CPR. If anybody's ever been to a prayer advance, you've heard about the spiritual CPR, which is three rounds of prayer. Uh, round one is confession of sin only, no asking, no thanking, only only confession, because if we regard iniquity in our hearts, God will not hear our prayer anyhow, so there's really no use to say anything if God's not listening. And our sins separate between us and our God, but confession, admittance, uh, humility, honesty, openness, brokenness, transparency uh, is the way in. So uh, round one is confession of sin. 
Round two is uh, is praise, is praise. And in this meeting in Champaign, Illinois, uh, I suppose we spent well over an hour confessing our sins, and uh, then we finally got cleaned out, and uh, for the time being, and we launched into praise, and uh, no asking yet. Now, no asking, only only thanking, only praising. And then after we finish that round of prayer, we get into the third round, which is the R, or request. Confession, praise, request. So we poured out our hearts to God. Well, man alive, we got in the church on Sunday, and this is a very conservative kind of place. The pastor is a dear friend of mine. And um, it was good, but on Tuesday night, something happened. Uh, the pastor's wife who is so quiet, so gentle, so meek, never says anything, you know, just one of those people uh, behind the scenes kind of people. She, uh, at the end of the service, uh, she got up and said to her husband, I want to say something. Well, she never says anything. So she got up in front of that congregation, and here's what she said. <laughs> she said, there's something wrong in our church. And she said, I'll tell you what it is. We don't have any love in our hearts. Man, this is not like her. And then she said, people come to our church and get saved, and then they go to other churches. She said, I'll tell you why. We don't have any love in our hearts. Man, she was bold. And I said, this is not her. I don't know whether this is a lord of the other side, but this is <laughs> something supernatural going on. And, and then she said, I was raised in fundamentalism. And she said, there's something wrong with fundamentalism. And she said, I'll tell you what it is. We don't have any love in our hearts. Wow. Man, you could have heard a pin drop. Well, that was so spoke, God so spoke through that meek, quiet <laughs> woman in such a profound, bold way. Put the fear of God on the whole crowd. And um, I'm telling you, the revival was on. Well, come Wednesday, we're supposed to end the meeting, but uh, there's a business guy in the church and said, Preacher, we can't end this meeting. We can never we, we may never have another opportunity like this in our lifetime. And one of the characteristics that was going on uh, in the services is we had fresh, vital testimony. And people would get up and talk about how God had spoken to them, uh, cleansed them, convicted them, met them, restored them. We had, we had people going to, to making restitution. We had one guy a leader in the church, he went to the service station owner that he uh, used to work for when he was in high school and confessed to him that he had stolen from him and uh, got his conscience cleared. I, I mean, we just had the most unusual things going on. Well, we extended the meeting four times. We went into the second week. By the second week, I mean, we had people coming in that didn't look like us, praise God. I mean, they were they were full of tattoos. We we had this one guy come into the prayer meeting. I mean, he had like buckshot in his face and nose and ears. You know, he'd never get through the airport security detector. You know, <laughs> and, and he got he got in that prayer meeting where 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 Christian men were being honest with God. Well, he got born again. Amen. Well, the next night his girlfriend shows up, and like she's like. Uh, a, a, a tattoo from head to toe, you know. I mean, <laughs> and she stood in front of that crowd and she said, I've never been so happy in all of my life. And we have people coming in from out of town, driving in. They got wind of what was going on. And when there's a fire going on, people show up to see it. And, and, and we have people coming in. 
And one of the key features, two, two key features of that, Pastor Mike, is um, we have prayer meetings every day. I mean, like every day and every night. I mean, we prayed all the time. And, and this was not, this was pretty much trying to get our own hearts clear. A lot of it was uh, along that line. And then some of it was intercession, of course, but there was a great emphasis on cleansing. So we had this prayer emphasis going on that was uh, incredible, like incredible. And people were hungry to come to this, men and women, young people. I mean, even the services would turn break out into prayer meetings. And everybody's on their face crying out to God, this kind of thing. And the second feature of that movement of God was testimony. And people would relate how God was working in their hearts. And these were just ordinary layman uh, people just being honest, being open, being transparent. And they had, you know, they would, they would surrender something or make some restitution or some obedience that they knew they should have been doing a long time ago. And they would be so overwhelmed with joy. I mean, a joy explosion and a life. And they would get up and, and, and relate this. And, of course, that, that heart-to-heart uh, message uh, gripped others because what's common to one is common to all, to one degree or another. And Amen. It, it, that, was, that was the characteristic of that meeting. It was prayer wow. and testimony and preaching. Uh, but but I, I, it, 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 it broke open when that dear pastor's wife uh, was used as a, a prophetic voice into, the, into that church. I'm just telling you, it was, it was, I sat there thinking, wow. I, know, I know this is unusual, and I know this is not her. I'm not sure who it is, but come to find out, it was the voice of God speaking into that Amen. church. And boy, did we have Amen. a time. So there's a, an example of a wow. modern day. That's awesome. Uh, out, of the Spirit. That, that is awesome. Wow. Well, Herod, I, I, Harold, I really appreciate you being here. Um, you got some prayer advances coming up. I know the couple's prayer advance in Pigeon Forge, October 28th to 30th, down in the beautiful uh, Pigeon Forge, Tennessee area. And uh, let's see, who's going to be speaking there? Dan and Julie Halltree, you and your wife are going to be speaking at that. And then um, got the men's prayer advance coming up in January. Uh, 27th to 29th, you got uh, Dr. Gibbs going to be there again this year, as yeah. well as uh, Ron Lynch and yourself preaching. Looking forward to that men's prayer advance, women's prayer advance coming up in uh, Roanoke. Uh, Carol Trahan is going to be there, and yes. speaking along with yes. your wife Debbie, and and uh, I think um, uh, Dan Haltree is going to be there as the as Correct. the uh, male preacher and uh, speaking in that. So you got some pretty good prayer advances coming up. Um, are they going to be any good? Are they worth coming to? <laughs> I'm pumped about it. I'm pumped about this. So we have the Virginia prayer advances that you just mentioned, uh, men's in January, ladies in March. Well, we're going to have two more next year. There's a pastor in uh, North Carolina who has opened up his fantastic, beautiful facility for uh, another location uh, down in Albemarle, North Carolina. So we're going to be having um, men's prayer advance, Lord willing, in April, and then a second ladies' prayer advance with Reba Bowman, Lord willing, uh, in November. So yeah, I'm pumped about these prayer advances, brother. Uh, if if look, if I can do a prayer advance every month or two, uh, boy, I might I might have a chance of walking in the spirit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, just keep I, I, you walking I, on the straight and narrow, eh? <laughs> it's just. Uh, 
just tremendous. So, yeah, we're really pumped about it. We're so glad Brother Gibbs can come back again. What a communicator. What a good-hearted brother. You know, yes. so yeah, yeah, we're we're excited about this, and and, uh, Good. and you know, I, I just hope that um, I hope that uh, the government doesn't shut us down. I hope that um, COVID doesn't scare the wits out of everybody. Uh, but you know, all that's in God's hands. But yes. but you know, uh, I, I just foresee that um, this is the time to strike the iron while it's hot. And boy, do we ever need this kind of an emphasis. Um, by the way, when it comes to the prayer advance, uh, I'm going ch- to call all the participants uh, to three days of prayer and fasting. Three days of prayer and fasting. Isaiah chapter 58 is God's chosen fast. Uh, very specific uh, purposes for fasting. Uh, very specific uh, motivations for fasting. And, uh, you know, fasting is just when you're more hungry for God than you are for food. And, you know, I don't know about anybody else, but Man, I'm so temporally minded so much of the time and overly concerned about earthly affairs. And I know we have necessities and burdens and duties, and, and I'm good with all that. I, I know that. And, but you know what? Uh, we're only here for a very short period of time, and eternity's a long time. And you know what? We better be laying up some treasure in heaven. We better, we better be thinking about oh, what's going to uh, happen in the next life. We better be thinking about our status, our status Amen. in the next life, because if I understand it right, uh, what we do here will determine how we make out there. Yes. If I'm reading the scripture right, I think yes. that's accurate. I know we're going to give an account to God, so these are serious things. And you know, you know, Pastor Mike, well, you know what we need? We need a baptism of the fear of God. Let me tell you what Harold Vaughn needs. Harold yes. Vaughn needs to get back to eternity and to get good and so, get so hung up and been out of shape and preoccupied with stuff that really isn't going to make a, a difference in a few years and no difference at all in eternity. So I think what we need here in these days is a fresh baptism of a holy, healthy, biblical fear of God that would grip our hearts. And if we had that, if, and listen, when I have that, then I am desperate. Right? Yes. I am hungry. Yes. I am desperate for God. And I, 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 my focus and my prayer is, is zealous. Why? Because I'm concerned about eternal things and God's things. And, you know, I just be candid with you. My heart is prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. I think I understood what old Wesley was saying in that hymn. And, and boy, we just need these seasons of um, reconnection with God. And that's what uh, the prayer advance is all about. Amen.